That is actually true. God got it covered. But here's the problem. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like God got it covered because the bills keep coming in and it's not covered. It kind of seems like we're always falling short, whether it's with the bills or saving or when the holidays are coming up like Christmas is, then we go back into debt. It's like we go in circles or something happens and now we have to borrow money or someone goes through something and then they need money so we have to take out a loan to help them. In God's cure for debt, there are so, so many things that we tend to focus on because we think of it in a financial term, but there are probably more things that God wants us to focus on than a financial situation. I think many of us, we understand this thing called debt. We understand that if we spend more than we make, we're actually going into debt. And God does cover us, and, and for many of us, He does cover us, but we overextend ourselves. He actually provides exactly what we need, but we're the ones who want more than what He's providing for. And so we go backwards, we go into debt, because we're not utilizing what God provides for us the right way. We we'll use it in so many different ways. We see the next thing, we want it. Uh, the, the new phone comes out, we got to have it. Uh, the, the, another computer comes out, and we got to have that. A brand new car, you see it, you want it, you get it, and so you do monthly payments. Or you just walk into the plaza and you see the sale sign and it's like, it's like gravity. You can't help yourself, but you, you go into there and you, you buy clothes that you cannot afford with money you don't have. And so we, we, we go into this place called debt. What is debt actually? What is that all about? And why is God so concerned about our finances or our resources or, or what happens in our lives? Why is God so concerned about this thing called currency? And is that even an issue with God? Well, we're going to find out today why it's an issue and how it became an issue and, and what God sees in this area called debt. For Heidi and I, when we were getting married, we were already in debt. And so we had to figure out, how are we going to do this? We're going to raise a family we want to own a home one day, and how are we going to do this? Well, we had this thing called a credit card. Some of you may have that. I'm sure you do, judging by your response. So when we got this credit card, what actually took place is we just charged everything. We charged, we charged, we charged, we charged. And then when we were getting married, we thought, wait a minute, we got to get our finances in order. So we went for financial counseling, and they said, well, here's your problem. You're using your credit card, so no more credit card. Cash only. And I thought, but I, I don't use cash. So we had to use cash. We had to figure out a way how we're going to carry cash. I just didn't like carrying it. I didn't like putting it in my pocket or in my wallet. made my wallet fatter. Then I had to carry change. And I was thinking, I don't want to carry change. And if you're married to someone who has to pay to the penny, and they carry change all the time, then that can be a hassle. We could be in a rush. And it would be, you know, $19.79. I'll give them a $20 bill. Heidi would say, wait, I have 79 cents. <laughs> Which is a good thing, Heidi. I think that's a great thing. It's honorable. It's, it's, uh, it's, that's why I love you. That's why I love you. I'm just talking about everybody else. So if you have that kind of problem, you have issues. But not us. So we went on this cash thing. When we went on this cash thing, it became more difficult because we didn't have cash. 
and we had to pay our bills with cash. And then he said, our, our financial advisor said, you got to take all of your bills, line them up. And we did. And he said, you line up the one that is charging you the most interest. And we didn't know, but our credit card started off with 0% interest. We didn't know that was only for the first year. We didn't read the fine print. You know when you're young, it's like, oh, credit card, right on, oh, 0%. And that means we don't have to pay anything. So we got the credit card. Next year, it went up 18%. So we were paying the monthly minimum, which was like $15 or $20. We're thinking, we can buy choke stuff. If you're from the mainland, you can buy plenty things. You can buy a lot of things. And so we were buying a lot of things with the 18% interest. It would have taken us 20 years to pay off our credit cards at the bare minimum, just paying the low monthly payments. Even our, you know, the store credit cards, all of those things, high interest. So we had to pay these things off one by one. And when we paid off one, we would, we would take those payments that we were paying that first high interest credit card to the next one. And we just kept paying it, paying it, paying it, paying it. In the beginning, it looked difficult, but at the end, it got quicker. It became easier to pay off the bills. Now, here's where it got scary. Because we we're cash only, we had to keep all of our receipts. And so we thought, okay, we'll try and keep our receipts because we didn't know where our money was going. Well, as we kept our receipts, we came to find out, we've, we found out that we were spending $400 a month just eating out snacks you know you're hungry you go to the drive-thru you get an ice cream cone or some type of snack and i'm a snack person i love snacking i'll eat snacks all day that's i eat one meal a day all day and that's about it and so when we accumulated our finances we were spending over 400 dollars a month just by eating out so we said you know what no more eating out which meant we had to cook at home you know, there's this thing in your kitchen that has four burners on it. It's called a stove. Some of us don't use that. We had to use that. Even our oven. We started using our oven. Now, we couldn't buy, you know, steaks and all of that because we couldn't afford it. So we, we bought, like, Simon, Portuguese steak, Spam. We bought hot dogs, eggs, and, like, tuna. We bought all of these things. And, and so we had to sacrifice in order for us to get out of debt. And by God's mercy and by his wisdom we were able to do that but there is this one thing that helped us tremendously and for some of you guys you know this and it's called tithing we gave 10% to the work of God and when we grew up we we had this TV that was black and white and with the best antenna it was a hanger with some tinfoil on top I thought why don't they just sell it like that we're gonna end up that way anyway so we had this TV and we could catch three stations three that's it and some of you, you grew up like that. You caught NBC, ABC, CBS. <laughs> it's only three letters I couldn't even remember. So you caught these three stations. Our heartache and pain was when we would flip through the stations on Sunday morning because if we flipped through and there was a religious thing, we felt like we couldn't change the channel because it was like disrespectful to God. So we try and change it quick. But if the, if the preacher was on and we changed it, we're like, oh, man, we got to keep it on. Because we had to act like we, we wanted to watch this in case God was watching us watching this. Because if God was watching us and we changed the channel, he'd be like, what's wrong? So I had to, we, we left it on the radio on, on that station and we would watch. And I remember this one man saying, if you want to be blessed by God, you got to give to God. 
Just call this number on the screen and you can give to God and put your hand to the TV screen. He'll bless you financially. And so I was thinking, I like to play video games. So, <laughs> so I lifted my hand and, and my thought was, okay, wait a minute. If I give to God, what does he do with it? Like, how, I, I can give money to my friend. I can give money to my mom. But then where does it go? I can see them buy something with it. What if I give it to God? I don't know where it goes. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand the concept of giving to God. So as I continued to grow up, by the time I came to church and I heard about this thing called tithing or giving to God or like we did an offering, I thought, okay, but when I, when I put that in the bucket, where does it go? Does it like go to the pastor? Because if it does, I'm like, no. <laughs> and so I had this weird, weird view about giving to God because I didn't know what that meant. And so what I came to understand was that here is God in what He does. And we understand God doesn't need our finances. We understand that. So I used to think, then, why do I give to God? If God doesn't need my finances and He created all of this, the world, the universe, just by speaking it, why can't He just speak things into existence still? Why doesn't He do that? Why would God need my finances? What does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with my debt? What does that have to do with the resources that I've been given? Because I work hard for this. And so I had a hard time understanding what it meant in a dollar amount to give to God. As I grew in my relationship with Jesus Christ, what I, what I understood was that Jesus did something for me. He paid the price for my sin. That's, when we say God paid the price for our sin... It means that we've done things wrong against God that we cannot pay Him back for. Like if I did something wrong in society and I get accused of it, charged of it, I go to court and I pay time or go to a penitentiary, penant, which means I paid the price for my crime, then I'm done with it. I paid my time. But when it came to my wrongdoings against God, I couldn't do anything about it. I could not erase my wrongs. I couldn't erase my sins. I couldn't, I couldn't do anything about it. So I was stuck between trying to understand what does this mean that God forgave me my sins? But there's a word that the Bible uses and it says that He forgave us of our debts. That's part of the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, God forgave us something we could never pay back. When I understood that, I thought, wait a minute. So giving to you really has nothing to do with finances. Giving to you actually has to do with my heart to you, my spirit towards you. That it's because you could, you could create anything, but why is it this financial area? And then he showed me that we live in a temporary world, that we cannot take these finances with us. But what we can do with these temporary finances is apply it to something that is eternal and that is the spirit. The spirit. There's something deep inside of every single person that we cannot purchase. We cannot buy. And it's a spirit. Let's look at our notes in the book of John. John chapter 14, verses 14 and 15. Jesus says this, If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. Then he says, If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And I was thinking, how, 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 you, you put two different things in the same sentence. 
He said, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it for you. If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. It's like our parents coming to us and saying, you know what? If you ask mommy for anything, I'll give it to you. Really? Yep, you ask mommy for anything, I'll give it to you. Yay! But if you love me, you'll obey me. What? It's kind of like a downer after that. No, no, no. If you ask me for anything, I'll give it to you. But if you love me, you'll obey me. It can almost seem like a downer for children. Because the thought is this. Wait a minute. So that means, that means I have to do something in order for you to give me something? Here's what God is saying. Because giving is tough. It can be difficult. He says, when, you, when you're asked to do something for me, it's going to be difficult. But it's not difficult if you love me. See, when we have a genuine love for God, we won't feel obligated or pressured or feel like we have to do anything for God. When we have a genuine love for God, we will want to give to Him. When there's a genuine love. See, here's some truths that we got to understand about God's cure for debt. And the first thing is this, that God is more concerned about our spirit than He is our resources. That's his concern. He, he's, he's looking past all the things that we own, past all the things that we possess, materialistic things, and he looks right into our soul because this right here is temporary, this dollar amount. When we die, we don't take this stuff with us. I don't care how many things we have. I don't care how big our homes are. We just don't take it with us, which is okay. You can have things, but the realization is I can't take it with me when I die. You can pass it on to other people, and that's fine. But what God is saying is, wait a minute, then the finances you give to me, I'm going to do with it so much more than you can do because I'm concerned about the Spirit. I'm not concerned about really a, a dollar amount or how much you give. It's really about the Spirit behind the giving. It's, it's what I can do with what you give to me because the end result that God is looking for is not something temporary anyway. God is look, not looking at just paying our bills for us, that's temporary. God is saying, I want to utilize the resources that I provide for you for something eternal. Because when we're done here on this earth and we get into this place called eternity in heaven with God, we're going to look back on these times and we're going to say, I thank you, God, that I was able to invest in your kingdom for all of eternity rather than looking at temporary times on this earth. We're going to, we're going to be parting a whole lot more on the other side of time because of the good things of God, rather than what's happening today. Even though God does great things here, when we get to the other side, we're going to understand why he said this, that he's more concerned with our spirit than he is with our resources. See, many of us, we tend to think that it's about the finances. We, we think that if we get more or gain more or make more, then it's going to satisfy what's empty on the inside, but it really doesn't. And we try to... Uh, accumulate materialistic things or a material wealth but with spiritual poverty and we're dying on the inside we may be thriving in the looks of things but we're still dying on the inside we're still empty and god says it's because it's not a financial thing it's a spiritual thing that's what i'm concerned about look at what he says in the book of mark chapter 8 verse 36 he says self-sacrifice is the way my way to saving yourself your true self what good would it do to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What could you ever trade for your soul? 
You see, we all have a soul, we have a spirit, we have something inside of us that no one can really see or touch or feel, but it's in there. And it's the soul that God is after, that His Spirit is after that. That's actually why we have all the things we see, the seat you're sitting on, or the chair you're sitting on, the things that God provides here. Everything that God provides here on this campus is so that someone can come to know Jesus Christ. These are just things. God is not wanting to build nice things. He wants to build people. He's after the Spirit, not the tangible things. But again, we live in a society that is temporary. We have temporary buildings, temporary cars, temporary parking lots, temporary chairs. They're not going to last, but our spirits live on. That's what God is after. He's so much more concerned about our spirits. I don't know if you heard about this the other day. Paul White, who just won the jackpot in Minnesota, uh, part of his share was $149 million. And so he's sitting there with the interview, and, and they say, you know, the number one question, what are you going to do with your winnings. He says, well, I'm going to help my parents. I'm going to get them that car that he always wanted or the car that he had back in, you know, 63. I'm going to find that car, refurbish it, and, and, and give that to him as a gift, take care of their bills, buy them a home. And he said, so what else? Are you still going to work? He said, nope, not going to work. I'm done working. I'm going to live off of this forever. I'm not the type of person who's going to continue to work. Then he said this, and his friend was there, who is, his, who is his boss, or was his boss. He said, yeah, we were friends before the winnings. We were friends before I worked for him. But he's no longer my boss. As of this morning, he is now my chauffeur. <laughs> now, everybody laughed. He laughed, but not his ex-boss. His ex-boss was like, what? He didn't tell me that. And I thought, you know, for this man, I, you know, I don't know him, and I'm not trying to judge his heart, but when he said that, I thought, our financial situation can change overnight. But it's our soul that takes time. It's, it's what's happening on the inside that God is after that takes time. And because God is so much more concerned about our spirit than He is our finances or the resources or the material things that we have, then I think we should be concerned about that too. That we live in a temporary world with an eternal spirit. See, money is temporary. But eternity is forever. So my thought is, I better invest wisely. Not just in the temporary things, but I'm going to invest in what is eternal. Here's the second thing that we can learn. To trust God with my finances or our resources. Trust God with our resources. We're, God will always provide. That's what the Bible tells us. He's going to provide. He will provide. The question is, what is he providing for? Because some of us, God, yeah, God provides for us, but then we use it for things that we shouldn't be using it for. And then when we're in a financial situation, we cry out to God, and he's saying, I'm providing for you, but you're not using it wisely. You're not utilizing the finances that I'm giving you for what it's supposed to be intended for. See, when I, when I first came to know Jesus and John 14, 14 told me that if you ask me for anything in my name, I'll do it for you, it seemed wishful. But I, I had to continue to ask, then help us out of debt. And he says, okay, trust me with your resources. Trust me with your car. Trust me with your home. Trust me 
with even your children. Trust me with the things that you possess. Trust me in these areas, especially your business, your finances. Trust me in that. And so we had to go to his word because if I loved him, then I would obey him. But what am I obeying him with? What, what is he asking of me? So I had to go to his word and find out what is he telling me to do. Now, some of you might not be in the word of God. And, and so you, you, you do your very best to obey God. You do your very best to be a loving person, to be kind, to help people. But when it comes to this area of debt, this is a sticky area because for many of us, we're close to people. We have great friends. And some people would ask me, they would say, you know, uh, so-and-so asked me if, if they could borrow money. Uh, someone asked if I could co-sign. What, is, what does the Bible say about that? But the conclusion is this. If you're okay with them never paying you back, if you're okay with when you co-sign something, that they defer on their payments and you take over, if you're okay with that and you can afford it, then go for it. But the Bible strictly warns us about that, especially co-signing, because relationship is broken because of finances. It's really not the finances, it's the relationship that God is concerned about. So if someone says, hey, I can borrow $10, if you can just give that money away and you can afford it, $10 it is. How many people we lend money to that we never see them again? Or if they're in church and they borrow money from you, then they never pay you back. They never come back to church. Then you see them in Walmart or you don't see them because they're ninja when you see them. And so they just duck away from you like, oh, I never see so-and-so for a long time. They owe me $20. There's a reason why you don't see them. They see you, but you don't see them. And God has given us wisdom. Now, Here's what helped me the most, and I want you to understand this scripture, and we're going to kind of dissect this a little bit because I don't want you to be misconstrued and get the wrong idea. In Malachi, and this is in your notes, Malachi 3, verses 6 through 12, here's what I had to trust God in because this is what his word says. This is what he's saying, if you love me, you obey my commandments. This is one of them. He says, I am the Lord, and I do not change. And so you, the descendants of Jacob, now let's just pause there real quick. The descendants of Jacob, the reason why he's saying that is, is because he's addressing the Israelites. They were the descendants, the descendants of Jacob. So it's, it's just the, the heritage or the lineage of Jacob. Are you not yet completely lost? You, like your ancestors before you, have turned away from my laws and have not kept them. Turn back to me and I will turn to you. But you ask, what must we do to turn back to you? I ask you, is it right for a person to cheat God? Of course not. Yet you are cheating me. How, you ask, in the matter of tithes and offerings? And then he kind of switches gears on us. A curse is on all of you because the whole nation is cheating me. Bring the full amount of your tithes to the temple so that there will be plenty of food there. Put me to the test and you will see that I will open the windows of heaven and pour out on you in abundance all kinds of good things. I want you to circle that if you're taking notes. All kinds of good things. I will not let insects destroy your crops and your grapevines will be loaded with grapes. Then the people of all nations will call you happy because your land will be a good place to live in. Here's what I want us to focus on. It's not the 10% tithe that God is asking for. What I want us to focus on is what he's saying will happen. He's saying, I'm going to protect you from all of these things coming to ruin your crops. In our day, 
He'll protect us from all these things ruining our finances. And I will bless you with all kinds of things. When I was first learning about this thing about giving to God, I thought, okay, I give to God, so God can give me back. I give you $10, you give me back more. That was my philosophy. And if I give you a certain amount of money, you're going to give me back a certain amount of money. So that was my principle, but it was the wrong principle to live on. And if God chooses to do that, great, I'm all for that. But this is what, he, this is what I've learned. When he says, I will, I will bless you, or I will, I, will bless you, I will not let your insects destroy your crops, and, and I will pour out on you in abundance all kinds of good things. Here's what I learned from that. When he says all kinds of good things, I had to look at the good things in my life. My marriage, my family, my children. And the most important thing to me was my salvation. That when, when I understood that Christ paid the debt for my sin that I couldn't pay, how grateful I am. On the day I said yes to Jesus Christ and I gave Him my heart in exchange for the life that He saw for my life, the plans that He had for me. When I look at that, and I look at what He has blessed us with, and if you look at your family, your children, the people in your life, you can never put a dollar amount on that. There's no way possible. I could say to God, Lord, because you blessed my life with this thing called salvation, because now I have eternity with you forever in heaven, how much do I owe you? How much money do you want? Because I, I am in debt to you. I'll give you everything I got because really, how much is a soul worth? How much can we give to God to say, thank you for saving me. Thank you for blessing my life with the people that surround me. It's like God is saying, well, you're, you're missing the whole point. It's not about how much you can give back to me. If it were, God would say, give me everything you got. But he didn't. He said, just give me a tenth. So the issue is not necessarily how much we give back to God, but the fact that we understand we give back to God. That he said, in this process of me helping you through this area called debt, first of all, you've got to understand that I paid for your entire debt of sin without expecting anything in return. He said, I'll die for you. Really? Yep. Yeah, but what if I don't accept you in, in my life? What if you die for the, the whole world and, and nobody accepts you into their life? What if nobody believes in you? He said, I will still die for you because I want to make it available for you to come back to me anytime. That is a guarantee. I can guarantee, find my way back to God because of the sin that he paid for in my life. I can always come back to God. I can always find God. That's guaranteed. It is also guaranteed when I trust God with my resources that he will pour out his blessing on our lives with all kinds of good things. One thing that I, I realized was there are some things that happen in our lives that we will never see a dollar amount attached to. Uh, my children being paid for scholarships, going to a school. Uh, my car lasting a long time because God gave me wisdom to change the oil. Long time. Had shoes for like seven years. That was my multi-purpose shoes. Work shoes, play shoes, basketball shoes, dress shoes. All in one. Lasted long time. 
Never bought clothes for years. Just used the same ones over and over. Why? Because we couldn't afford it, but God made them last long time. And then when there were holes in the jeans, for some reason was the style. I thought, hey, this may work for another seven years. So it's like God did so many things that I couldn't see coming when it came to the area of finances. Make sure the holes are in the right areas. I think for us, we had to think through what this was all about when it came to our relationship with God. Because if we needed to trust Him with our resources, then we had to say to Him, as we give to you, we're going to trust you with it. God can do, and this is what I've learned, so much more in my life with the 10% I give to Him than the government can do with the 35% I give to it. I'm not trying to be political on you. I'm just saying that's a proven fact. I'm not saying the government is not doing a good job. Just in case, we, in case we have any government workers in here, you guys are doing an excellent job. I'm just saying, God can do so much more with our 10% than our state, government, nation can do with the 35% that we give to it. God can do so much more in my life with this, the 10% I give to Him. Because when I gave to Him 10%, when I, when I said, God, I'm going to trust you with 10% and live off of 90 and actually, we went on a 10-10-80 plan. We tithed 10, saved 10, and lived on 80. Sometimes we couldn't save 10. We had to, you know, put it towards a bill or something. But we still could tithe. When we did that, it put the pressure on us to live off of 90. Then we went under a budget. Heidi and I spent more time together because we were together more. And we got to do things together more. We had to figure this stuff out. Giving to God made us struggle together with God. It was the hardest thing in the beginning because it had to do with finances, getting that in order. It was a struggle. But thanks be to God because He was more concerned about Heidi and I than He was our finances. We got to figure that out together. And although difficult, it turned out for the better. We started to learn how to do things together. Trusting God with our finances and trusting Him requires sacrifice. Some of us dream about where we can be financially, but we're not willing to make the sacrifices to get there. Proverbs 22, verse 7, it tells us that the borrower is slave to the lender. See, giving God of my finances frees me from being enslaved by my finances. Easy to give God one penny. We find those things on the ground all the time. Let's just say God gave you a dime, and he says, just give me back one penny. I can do that. I can do that. But if he gave you a dollar, you've got to uh, give him 10 cents, it becomes a little bit more difficult. But it's still a penny to the dime. Then if he says, I'm going to bless you with $1,000, oh boy, there comes $100. That means I've got to give you $100? Well, that's just my principle, but watch what I do. Watch what I do with your life. It's more than finances. Okay, I'll trust you, and many of us do. We trust him with our finances when he blesses us with $1,000. But then he blesses us with $10,000, and then he says, okay, it's still a penny to the dollar. It's $1,000 that you tithe. Ooh, $1,000. It's like brand new laptop computer. I can do something with this. We can go on a family vacation with this. Yeah. But it's more than finances. Watch what I'll do with your life. Okay, and many of us do. We'll give God that. Then he blesses you with $100,000. Now it's $10,000. There's more zeros and a comma. We're like, oh man, that's a lot. 
I can't, I, there's no way I can give $10,000. But believe it or not, some of you do. And you understand what God does with your life. Because for many of us, we're not thinking about a dollar amount. I don't know about you. But this is what I think about when I give to God. I don't think about the building, although it goes towards it. It's the reality of life. Things break. We've got to fix it. You know what I think about when I give to God? I think about a relative. I think about my grandchildren. I think about the people who I work with. Well, not in my case, but in your case. The people you work with that don't know God. I think about all the family members that have yet to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. For me to put a dollar amount on their salvation is impossible. But God says, watch what I do. Watch what I do. When someone says yes to Jesus Christ, especially a family member, it changes this right here. It makes sense to me. And when someone says yes to God, and then they go on to be with the Lord one day, you don't even think about this. You think about where they're going to be now, forever in heaven with God, because of simple people like you and I, who live simple lives, who work jobs that God provides finances through, who says yes to God because we're not focused on this, we're focused on the spirit behind the gift. That God is going to do something eternal with something temporal. Only God can do that. For many of you, you gave to what we see today. And because of that, thousands of people have come to know Jesus Christ. You can't put a dollar amount on that. There's no way possible. See, God's cure for debt always starts here in the heart. Because if we love Him, we will obey Him. Here's the last thing, to obey God out of love. To obey Him out of love. Some of us think, boy, it's hard to obey God. And, and I can agree with that to some extent. It's hard to obey Him because of temptation or, or things like that. And sometimes we obey God when it's easy, but that's more like agreeing with God. You know, if, if God says, you need to love Heidi, oh, I can do that, that's very easy, it's very easy to love Heidi, so I'm agreeing with God. But if Heidi is acting up, which is very rarely, if she's acting up and he says, you need to love her right now, you need to die for her, you need to die to yourself so that she may live and thrive, now it becomes difficult because it's in the heat of the moment of me being irritated. But that's what obedience is. Obedience is when God speaks to us and we don't want to. When he says, this is what I want you to do, and you don't want to, but you do, that's true obedience. That's why he says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Because love causes us to do things that we would normally not do under the same circumstances. When we were uh, dating, Heidi and I were, you know, I was 12, she was 13, so that, that was when we met. And uh, as we continued to grow up together, uh, we would want to go to like the movies and things like that. But I lived in a, a different area, far from her. It was like five miles away. Now, as a teenager or a preteen, that's far. She lived in Kailua. I lived in Waimanalo. Even riding bike to her house was tough because it was uphill and then all of this. So I said, you know, I'm not going to ride bike. But we had a bus system on Oahu and it was only a quarter. But I didn't have money. My mom didn't have money. So how was I going to get money? Well, my uncle, he had this idea of selling used golf balls. 
And so he told me one day, he said, hey, Sheldon, uh, come with me to the golf course. Uh, we'll go pick up some golf balls. And uh, if you pick up one bucket full, I pay you. I said, really? How much? He said, $10. 10 bucks? No way. Now, the movies were like a dollar back then. So dollar for a movie, 50 cents to catch bus, you know, go and come back. So I thought, I can buy popcorn. I can't even treat Heidi. So I said, yeah, let's do this. What do I have to do? He said, all you got to do is go in the water, feel around for golf balls. Pick them up, throw them inside the ring. I said, okay, when are we going? He said, the best time is right before they're done. Because that's when it's all filled up with golf balls. I said, shoot, let's do this. So I get in my gear, and I, I'm going down there. He goes, oh, just to remind you, get some more crabs. I said, what? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah get some more crabs. So when you feel, you got to go fast. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, what do you mean? He said, yeah, yeah, because if you go fast, they're scared, they scurry away. He lied. I think he invite me. Invite me right now and pinch my pinky. Long time my pinky never had feeling. So I'm feeling down. I find golf balls. I'm putting them all in the ring with this net. I'm like, yeah. Then all of a sudden I hear, chkunk. I'm like, what was that? He said, oh, that's on golf ball. One guy just didn't hit him in the water. Go grab one. Go grab one. It's new, that one. New. That one's still good. No more moss. I said, okay, wait. They're still golfing. He said, yeah, yeah, almost pow. And so you're telling me I can get hit in my head. He's there, not everybody. Nah. Once in a while, he go in the water. Like, but you go tell that guy, just putt all the way to the green. Because he's hitting the ball in here. He said, don't worry, don't worry. And I thought, wait a minute, I can die doing this. If I get hit in the wrong place in my head, this may hurt. I may drown. I may get knocked out. My uncle not going to save me. He's too old. He's not going to carry me out of the water. So I'm in there trying to pick up these things. But this is what came to my mind. Wait a minute. I can do this. Because I love <laughs> Heidi. I can do this. I love Heidi. We're going movies tonight. I'm going to treat her. I'm going to walk up. How much the tickets? Two dollars. There you go. What you like, Heidi? Popcorn? You like some mochi crunch? My treat, baby. Let's go. That's what I was dreaming of. I was thinking I can treat her. Yeah. Now, Yes, it was dangerous. Yes, it was muddy. Yes, I had to go and take a shower three times. But it was so worth it when I'm sitting in the movies next to Heidi eating popcorn and mochi crunch. I, it, it was so worth it. She never knew what I was doing. She didn't know that I had to go through all of that. Did you know, Heidi? You didn't know, yeah? See? But to her, we had the best time. To me, it was an easy sacrifice because love does things that you normally wouldn't do under the same circumstance. If my uncle just said, hey, just come grab golf balls, and I wasn't dating Heidi, I'd be like, you crazy. You go tell somebody else. <laughs> love does that. That's why God says you got to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, because I'm going to ask you to do things that you're not going to want to do, but love causes you to do things that you normally wouldn't do under the same circumstance. Here's how the Bible puts it to us in Romans chapter 13. It says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And that's what God did for us on the cross. He loved us that much that he says, I'm willing to pay your entire debt of sin. 
And when we understand how much God loves us, all of these things become numbers, percentages. It's temporary. God says, let's shoot for what's eternal. And when we shoot for what's eternal, you're going to see God's cure for debt change from the inside out because God is so much more after our soul than he is our pocketbook. He doesn't need it. We do. We need him. We need him to work in here so that he can do everything else out there, touching lives of the people we love the most. And I pray that today you will realize that it's so much more than a financial thing. It has to do with our spirits. Amen? And close your Bibles and put away your notes. We're going to pray together. If you'd bow your heads with me and let's just pray. Take some time to sift through what God is teaching us and what we're learning. Let's pray, shall we? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, our, our heart today is, is, is simple. It comes back to love and how much you love us that you're willing to pay the price for our debt. The sin that we committed, the things that we've done wrong against you, you took it upon yourself. That was something that we could never pay back, but you, you took care of it all. Not only that, Lord, you, you also bless us with resources. You bless us financially. You bless us with things. But you don't bless us with these things and, and our finances so that we focus on that, which is temporary. You do that to let us know how much you care for us. And at the same time, when we understand how much you love us, we won't feel obligated to give back to you. We will want to. Because when we're genuinely in love with you, that's where obedience starts. And so I do pray for all of us financially. I pray for us more with our spirit, that our spirit would understand that you're more after what is eternal than what is temporary. These things will pass away, but our spirits live on. I pray for anyone here this morning, Lord, they may have never said yes to you. Maybe they were in that situation where they never understood that their debt of sin or the things that they have done wrong was paid for by you. That we can come to you and stand boldly before you in righteousness because of what you have done for us. It's really not what we did. It's not what we can do. It's what you've already done for us. It's paid for. All we need to do is accept it. For some of you this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your heart. You're afraid to. You don't know what's going to happen. But God does. And he says, I have a plan for you. I have a future for you. It's a hopeful one. It's for good and not for evil. You've been trying it on your own. And this is where you've ended up. But I have a better way. It may be difficult. But when you love me, not that hard and if you want to receive Jesus in your heart today and you want to give him your life I'm going to ask if you just lift a hand just real briefly I'm not going to ask you to stand or anything you're just acknowledging I want to give Jesus my heart good anybody else you're saying yes to Jesus good good hold your hands up I want to pray for you good back there God sees your hands good he sees your heart okay good bless you okay God sees your hands good Right here. Okay, you can put your hands down. 
And we can say this prayer together, I think, even especially for those that are saying yes to Jesus Christ for the first time. But for all of us, let's say this prayer together, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross, forgiving me of my sins, and cleansing me, and washing me, and making me brand new. I trust you. I believe you rose from the grave to give me eternal life. And I thank you for helping me even with my finances. In Jesus' name I pray. Lord, for many of us, even as we pray, as, even as a Christian, Lord, for many of us, we, we do give to you. We, we obey you. We do our very best to follow you. But we just want to develop a, a stronger love for you for those times where obeying you is tough. And maybe for some of us, Lord, even as a Christian, we, we're having a tough time understanding the, the principle of giving to you because we're financially strapped. But really, it's more than our finances, Lord. You're really after our spirit. So, Lord, as Christians, we want to we ask you. You said to ask anything in your name, and you'll do it for us. We ask of you right now, Lord, that you'll pour out your spirit and pour into us the kind of love that we need not just to love you, but to love others. And if that's your heart today, could you just lift a hand? And you're saying, Lord, give me a deeper love, not just for you, but for people. Good. Many of us. Lord, I raise my hand too. I ask for that. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for all of us that today would be a brand new day, brand new start, a brand new beginning, that as we head into the future that you promised for us, we will understand your cure for difficult days. We thank you. We pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And we all said...